Welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arman. And we're joined today by Mike Henley. Hello, Mike. Hello. Hello to you both. Thank you for having me on. Hey, Mike. How's <laughs> <Good>. it going? <laughs> you sent us such a lovely message for episode 100, which made us realize that we thought we'd had you on the show uh, because Tiff's been on your show and we've all sort of, you know, talked in comments and stuff. And then we realized that we haven't. So we figured, you know, let's rectify that. Uh, and the the podca- podcast in question is called Drawing Inspiration. And of course, we'll link to that and to the episode where you had Tiff on. So um, do you want to introduce yourself beyond uh, my hello? <laughs> yes. And congratulations again to both of you. Uh, you really have had a huge impact on, on grounding me and keeping me curious. Um, so I'm Mike Henley. I am an artist in my spare time. During the day, I work in health research as a developer. I started my journey in art around the age of 40. I'm 55 now, and part of that journey includes obviously producing and making art, but um, also started a podcast almost three years ago now. And uh, so that's been the reason I started it was to learn, uh, to learn from other artists in how they think and how they do. And um, I am here now, <laughs> probably because of that journey. <laughs> so always looking to learn. I've known uh, Mike through the internet for years because he drew some like awesome pictures of hops a long time ago. And they're super cute. And I think you even sent us a fracture of one of them. Or I made a fracture of yours. I couldn't remember exactly how it went down. Did you send that to no, us? No, you did that. You <laughs> you had created it uh, based off a digital <laughs> right. drawing. Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> Right, right. But you made it's you're totally your art and we made a fracture out of it. But like, so I've known about you for a long time, especially with your realism. And it's just amazing to have watched like how you've gotten so much better throughout the years. I mean, you were amazing to like start, but it has really shown like the amount of hours and practice you've put into it. And now you're like all over TikTok. Also, you're making TikTok videos. I don't know how to make a TikTok video. Mine are so stupid. <laughs> but like you're you're making like art TikToks and it's uh it's pretty cool to see you. I love seeing that you've started, you know, doing art later in your life than like most people who like start when they're like seven, <laughs> right? I say later, which it's not really later. It's like totally normal, but like it's not seven years old. And you were also, you know, super into the you have the digital side, you also do the pencils, you've done some watercolor, there's just like a lot. And I'm just, I'm continually impressed by you. And I think that it's important to share your experience with our listeners, because I think that it's exactly the kind of journey that, you know, later to life art people are inspired by. Thank you. It's it's been like you know I've I've followed you for slightly less time. I don't have a picture of hops uh, on my wall, uh, but <laughs> I I agree. Just like you you were good to start with when I found you, but it's just been so cool to see. But it's just yeah, and it's it's because now I'm curious because you you know you're late in life, self taught, um, not even side hustle, side joy. But you, you call yourself an artist. Do you think of yourself as a capital A artist? That's, you know, I've enjoyed that most about your podcast is that ongoing conversation. <laughs> I do consider myself an artist first, even before, like, I've been doing development, software development for, I don't know, forever. But I would consider m- myself an artist first now. So I actually went in and changed my LinkedIn profile. I changed my Twitter. It's art first. And... 
Woo! Uh, I'm. That is very <laughs> cool. I. Uh, it doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't pay any bills. But it is. It is the core. It's core to who I am. It's the heart bills. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and especially with the pandemic, and I know you don't like talking about it, but for me, it's been the best thing for my art because I've been close to it. I've been close to my tools. I can sketch at lunch. And uh, it's it's really allowed me to focus in on what brings me joy and what fills my soul. And um, I, I, I've I've created these other reasons why I should be doing art. And I, it, it is it is who I am. I am an artist. So what what made you pick what what did you pick up when you were 40? Was it like pencils right off the bat? What what made you start? So I was a stay-at-home dad with our oldest. She's now 19. Um and in being with her, uh, it's one of those things where it's like how do I keep them entertained? <laughs> Cuz I I was trying to do a different job at the same time. And so I started drawing with her and I drew a triceratops and with pencil and I looked at it and thought, that's not so bad. And I showed it to my wife and she's like, wow. And then I started thinking, wait a second, maybe I can draw. And so <laughs> I, uh, I drew with her for a little bit and then I drew a chickadee and gave it to my wife. And she thought it was a photograph when I gave it to her. And it was like, hmm, maybe I'm not so bad at this. And so over those first maybe eight years or so, I did... I don't know, maybe eight drawings a year, all in pencil, all just graphite. It wasn't until recently that I explored, uh, you know, digital and, and watercolor and mushroom ink and ink and all that other stuff. Uh, but initially it was just pencil and I bought some books. I've done one workshop uh, with an artist from England in in using uh, graphite. But the rest of it is just practice and I had tens of thousands of photographs in my uh, in my photo album of animals and I was thinking I'll just draw the animals and that's kind of where it's where that's how it started and that's exactly where it is now so you said that it doesn't pay the bills but I know that at this point you've probably amassed like a whole bunch of stuff like you probably have a a lot of of drawings and paintings do you sell any of them so that's a good question uh, I <laughs> once again, your podcast has played in my head around this about monetizing <laughs> our hobby, right? Um, I started my online shop last year and I started selling prints of my pencil pieces. And then the first original pieces I sold were pieces I drew with mushroom ink. So I created my own mushroom ink and then I drew, I think, or painted seven pieces with that ink. And those are the originals I've, the only originals I've sold. I, I plan on selling more, but I do so much in my sketchbook that it's, you know, I'm probably going to sell prints of the watercolor ones that you would see on my most recent uh, posts in Instagram. It would be really funny if you sold like ripped out pages, though, <laughs> just like as as your your thing. Yeah, you you can buy this one, but I'll give you this one at fifty percent off because uh, it's on the back. <laughs> well, that's a that's a paper cutters are for, right? Like, oh, but you do the back. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> two for the price yeah, of one. Yeah. I. I, I... <laughs> or two two for the price of four. <laughs> like you have to charge it four times. <laughs> so, like, I do commissions. I'm working on two commissions now. I'm working on an acrylic piece. Uh, so, I, I think I'm moving more into what I want to sell as a matter of originals, but I'm still kind of understanding what I want to be creating. Uh, like I'll pencil is my first love and will always be that. 
um, I will still always do work in pencil, but I've really been enjoying the other, the other mediums. And I'm just looking at ways to, I think, part with these. That's going to be the challenge for me is, is parting with some of the work that I've created, like the acrylic piece I'm working on. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to sell it, but I'm going to try, I think. So we'll see. So you enjoy having like the collection that you've, you know, developed for yourself. And and is it like a, a whole bunch of like notebooks, you know, on a shelf or do you display them in your home? So I don't display them. I mean, when I do a piece, I'll walk around the house and say, look what I made. Um, but <laughs> you'll take it on a little <laughs> <That's> parade. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I, 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 ha- I love that that's sort of a universal experience of just being like, you have to, co- like, we're all five-year-olds, right? Or like, look at the thing I made, look, and then you have to <laughs> oh, guess what it is. Oh, I do the same thing. <laughs> I totally, I take it on tour. Like, I show the two other members in my house, possibly even my dog, like someone needs to look at this. So <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. And in, in this day and age, my, my daughters will see it on Instagram before I get to their bedroom to show them what I've done because they're so plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I was, I was just about to say, like, is this why people have kids so they can have one person who is briefly impressed by what they do? Exactly. <laughs> Tell me how great this is, and I'll make you a good supper tonight. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, this, so I do have a number of sketchbooks. I, I've kind of, so you've talked about this as well, where part of part of being an artist is creating the art, and part of the art is collecting. So I have lots of sketchbooks. I have lots of pencils. And I have sketchbooks <laughs> I've started and stopped. But I, I think I've come upon the sketchbooks I'm using for watercolor versus those I'm using for colored pencil versus another one I use for graphite. So I have split them up a little bit. And I'm just filling them up as, uh, you know, as I get as I get through them. I, I am doing pieces on uh, a block. So cold and, and hot press watercolor paper. I'm using those uh, to do kind of dedicated pieces, but I just love doing it in a sketchbook because I just, I like the, especially the A6, which is the tiny one. It's just such a small size. It's comfortable. I can bring it with me wherever I go if I just want to sit down and draw or paint something. So I, I really enjoy the sketchbook experience, but I am trying to do more stuff that I could sell as a framed piece versus <laughs> ripping out pages of my book. I also remember there was a time where you were doing, um, what's it called? Like alfresco painting. Is that the term? <laughs> like painting outside <laughs> in like a live area. So I've, I, I, I have done that and I will be doing more of it um, now with things changing a little bit. So um, what I think most people call it is urban sketching. So that idea of, of just being out and uh, so I don't use oil or acrylic paint outside. I actually have never painted with oil. Um, but I will bring watercolor, I'll bring ink, and I'll just sit in a park and just draw a squirrel or some birds with ink. Uh, without, I, I tend, if I draw with ink, I go straight to ink. I don't use a pencil. And I'll just draw something out, and then I'll pull up my watercolor, throw some watercolor on it. And uh, do, doing that outside is just, it feels great. It, it just feels wonderful. I've done buildings uh, which is kind of typical urban sketcher approach to things where you, you know, uh, draw a building and car and people and that kind of thing. I do some of that as well, and I'll be doing more of it this summer. But uh, I, I just love being able to create outside. I built my own little easel that's got magnets on it to hold everything, but it's super, super tiny, so I can put it in a laptop bag. So I, I, I oh, do wow. enjoy kind of bringing my kit. I've always been f- so focused on having 
like the best little kit with the nice little travel brushes that fold into themselves. Your daily carry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my daily carry is all art. <laughs> no knives, <laughs> nothing weird. It's just, it's it's my paint, it's my ink, it's uh, the pencils. A tiny and, knife to sharpen your pencil. Well, and, and that's the other thing, just the comment about the pencil is I used to use um, the, the two millimeter pencils, the, the clutch pencils. Because that's, I, I, I come from a mechanical engineering background. So way back in the day, that's what we used for drafting. So I started using them, but they've got that, you know, little round barrel that you sharpen them in. And I was getting shavings all over the place. I had to carry it in a little Ziploc bag. So I switched to uh, like 0.3 and 0.5 millimeter mechanical pencils because it was cleaner. And I could just carry them with me. So I've just, that's how I draw now is I use those mechanical pencils because I can just plop them in. And the one I use has a retractable tip, so it doesn't get bent. But I have like three of them or four of them in case one breaks (laughs) or one stops working. I like backups. So when you're painting outside or drawing outside, one of the things that I know that as like a new person to art would fear is, you know, people looking at you and kind of judging the quality of whatever you're making. Did you go through like a growing phase, I guess, of of being able to do that and being worried that like, oh, people are going to look and be like, wow, you suck. What are you doing here? You know, like I, I don't think you've ever really been terrible. So <laughs> I'm not sure how uh, how much this affects you, but I'm wondering if, you know, that whole um, art as like a public uh, performance, which I think drawing or painting outside becomes, did you find it to be something that people were like attracted to? Did they say anything to you or did generally most people just kind of ignored you and like went went about their day? That's a good question. I had huge fear around drawing and painting in public. And uh, I remember the first time I did it, I did have people come by and look and they would, they would drop by like 20 minutes into it. And I'm like, okay, this is the ugly phase that you're seeing now. <laughs> can you just, <laughs> yeah, right. Can exactly. you loop back in an the, hour? The trust the process part of the process. Well, that's, you know, that's what I, you know, I, I'm okay trusting the process. I've been, I still struggle with it, right? I look at a piece and I think, oh, this is ugly. I just got to keep going. I, even the turtle, I just, the sea turtle, I just finished. I got to a point where it's like, I can't do a sea turtle. Um, and I just kept pushing through it. But I, I did have that fear. And, but people would ask really interesting questions. They would um, wonder where they could see the finished piece. So people have always been very positive about that. I think I wouldn't necessarily recommend everyone go out and do this. Like, you know, you want to put yourself, for example, in a position where you're, no one can sneak up behind you. So back up against something is always safer. And if you could do it with more than one person, then you kind of watching out for each other, you could throw that's a good tip. Uh, you could throw headphones on. People tend not to come up to and talk to you if you've got headphones on. Um, and not just AirPods. Like I'm talking, you know, proper <laughs> proper uh, headphones. <laughs> um, but an interesting experience I had with that is I was drawing a um, the Shadow Laurier, which is kind of the, the major, the, the largest, oldest, I think, probably hotel in Ottawa, the city in which I live. And... I was supporting kind of an initiative to ensure that, you know, for the development would be respectful of, of green space. And so anyways, so we had this big urban sketching thing and I was, sta- I was in the middle of a field drawing this and people came by and they were asking questions. I had like six or eight people around me at one point and it just, 
to be honest, I felt like a rock star. Just it was incredible having all these people around me. <laughs> but what what was really special is it started to rain, and so one of these people pulled out an umbrella and put it over me and over my easel while I was painting so that I can continue on. So she held up the umbrella in the rain over me so that I could finish my piece. And I thought that was just brilliant. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's, it, that's it's, just... It sounds like a sort of, you know, poetic scene from a movie or a very artsy, beautiful TikTok in itself. Just Did like... someone in the group like capture that as like their <laughs> outside... <laughs> sketching (laughs) i have a photo of it somewhere so yeah it was uh that's that's really cool and she's she's a good friend of mine we've actually been out sketching together ever since that that was the first time i met her that's awesome so you talked about you know practice and that's how you've you it's been sort of self self self-directed but how do you like do you do you plan your practice do you like aim for specific things you want to improve or do you just you know draw what your heart wants to draw and then time will will tell. So I'm trying to be more thoughtful about the mediums. So I'm working on an acrylic piece. I've never painted beyond, you know, mushroom ink and watercolor. So that's an interesting experience. I'm curious about everything. So I will try everything. My wife knows me for this. Like I will try everything and I'll give it 110% because I just, I, I don't think I can't. Like, I believe I can do anything. And so I try it. And when I'm doing pieces, whether it's the sea turtle or a, uh, a mouse or whatever the case, I do it because it speaks to me. Um, in some cases, like the sea turtle, I thought was interesting because of the textures. A lot of the pieces that I choose to do, it's because I think it's an interesting mix of textures. And that's what I love about drawing and painting animals is you will have this just wonderful mix of textures all in the same object. And so I'm not a big landscape painter. And I, I, I've done a few people, but I'm not really into drawing humans. Uh, I prefer insects and, and reptiles and, and any kind of animal, um, just because I love the texture. So for me, it's when I see something like the sea turtle, and I'm just saying because that's the most recent one, um, I will, I, I look at that like I haven't done that before. I haven't done that texture. I, I've got to try and get that light blue reflection under the, the the underneath of the turtle. So that's what I'm going to work on. So when you look at that turtle, the thing I'm most proud of is that little blue reflection coming up from underneath. Everything else, I'm not really seeing. It's like, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that bit. And so when I create a piece, there are things that I think I could do better next time. And there are one or two things that I'm really, really proud of. And most people won't see it, but it, it moves me on to the next piece. I love those little details where... Again, you, the people you show them to might not see them until you point at them. But when you can see that tiny thing of like this one angle, this one stroke, this one reflection, you just kind of, you know, you do a little happy, happy dance of, of satisfaction. It's really important too that like if you are working on something, I don't know about other people, but for me, sometimes I lose sight of those little parts that you like, you know, like it, it's, it's really important to focus on the parts that you did really well and then move forward with that in the future and then hopefully like each piece that you do you'll start loving more and more of those parts and eventually you're just going to be like this is I mean this is great right and I'm sure obviously as art people we always see the flaws and we're always frustrated in ourselves and we always feel like we could do better but it is so 
rewarding to see your own progress. And I think that that's such a healthy way to look at our own art is to focus on those little moments that you just nail it. And you're like, yes, I got that. And it propels you forward. And it feels so wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about the podcast. Um, Because you said you wanted to learn Mm -hmm. from from other artists. But what what made you decide to do it in podcast form? So I'd been following a number of podcasts, um, mostly tech podcasts for years. Uh, I did a radio show back in the 90s. I remember when Windows 95 came came out and I was on a computer show I was hosting and we talked about Windows 95. So that's how far back this goes. Um, (laughs) And I really enjoyed that experience. And I've I was dealing with a bunch of um, uh, Apple developers, and we talk about various podcasts because they were so strong in that community. And I remember being at a conference in Ottawa and telling some of the developers, I want to do a podcast. I don't know what I want to do yet, but I want to do a podcast. And it was (laughs) the next conference that I had decided what I was going to do. And I thought it was crazy, but I didn't want anyone to tell me it, it, it was something I couldn't do. Uh, you know, the idea of doing a podcast about a visual medium seemed <laughs> nuts, but I wanted to learn and I wanted the opportunity to talk these to these people that I saw on Instagram, that I saw on Twitter, and I wanted to ask them my questions because I felt that while there were some great creative podcasts, there weren't people that were kind of running along with my story, coming, coming to it late in life, uh, coming to it in a way that it is... Um, a hobby, a side hustle. And and so I wanted has to, to be able to ask those kinds of questions. And so for me, that's, it just all came together. And I thought, what a great way to learn is to do this. And then I can just share it with everybody else who's on the same journey. And in doing so, I've had so many people reach out who are in their teens. I, I had somebody who's 13, who's, <laughs> who wants to do a, a podcast now because they listen to mine. But I've also had people in their 70s and 80s reach out who are rediscovering art again. And so the community is there. And I feel like now I have a responsibility to keep this moving forward, not just for my own journey, but for theirs. What have you learned? Like what, what, is there anything that we can steal for this show? (laughs) (laughs) What, if you look at these um, three years, what, what has the podcast done to you? I think it's done, I mean, it's done so many things. I'm actually thinking about a, it'd be cool to come out with a book around this because I always ask my guests for homework. And so I'd love to be able to put all of this into a book. But I think in some ways it validates parts of my journey in, in speaking to these artists to, to know that, you know, I'm not so bad at what I do. I think the the most interesting thing is that there is no... Uh, artist journey that is defined. Everybody has taken their own path. And so, you know, you get into a situation, depending on who's in the room, that a a BFA or an MFA is required to be able to move in a certain direction. And others will completely disagree with that. But I've spoken to artists who are, who come from a formal education and those that just taught themselves. And so you don't have to come in thinking that you've got to carry a certain amount of uh, of weight with regard to education it's it's really just about practice and it's about being curious and pushing yourself and practice <laughs> and so i think that it's made me feel better in my journey and 
it's also made me curious about other mediums because I, I reach out to guests who are doing something similar to what I'm doing, but I've also reached out to guests. I had somebody on who does 3D sculpting. And that was a great experience for me because I've touched on it a little bit with the iPad, but I just wanted to hear more about it. Um, you know, I talk to people who deal with watercolor and oil paint, and I just want to learn from these people about those mediums that I may kind of explore later. So I think, you know, back to your point, it's, it's I mean, I've learned so much, but I think it's a matter of of, of understanding that it's everybody has a different journey. Practice is important and always be curious. And just get a, a the injection of sort of general inspiration as well, just from talking to people who are rad. Yes. It's also interesting that when you start talking to, you know, professional super capital A artists that have been doing this their whole life and it's their job that they don't come at it from a very different place than other people who've, you know, picked up art later on. Just like you said, it's still practice. It's just, you know, people found their passion maybe earlier. They practiced more. But it is interesting that everyone has kind of the same fears and anxieties and, you know, imposter syndromes and and all of these things that, that come out of displaying something like art that ends up being such a personal expression. And regardless of how professional you are, or how many pieces you've commissioned, or how big of a sale you've had, versus, you know, the the hobbyist, everyone kind of has all these same emotional experiences. And it's such a wonderful equalizing feeling that like, even if you're afraid to call yourself a big artist, uh, a big capital A artist, as we say, it's still amazing to know that the big capital A artists have a lot of the same grounding level, uh, you know, toils and tribulations that like happen in their life, in their art lives that like we are as newbies, you know? And so like, I, I I think that that's a really cool thing to, for people to experience all together and, and realize that everyone's not so different in this art world. You're talking about the, the mediums that, are are um, intriguing you what do you think will be the next thing you you pick up I, I that's a good question i think like i bought a bunch of acrylics <laughs> and um i bought all the tools i bought an easel and i think i'm gonna take acrylics for a little bit of a ride i'm not sure about oils uh i had a guest on that uh, put out a book called a new oil painting i think it is um and she just talks about how to do this without, you know, kind of all the chemicals and, and looking at it from, you know, as a matter of a different approach. I may play with oils at some point in the future, but I can achieve that kind of workability with acrylics. So I think I'm going to take acrylics for a little bit of a walk. Uh, I'm still going to do the watercolor, the ink, uh, the pencil, but um, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe... Maybe oil I'll play with, but it's going to be a fair ways down the down the road, I think. I think there's still a lot for me to learn with pencil, uh, colored pencil. Everything that I'm doing now, I still need... I, I'm not there yet. I feel like I need to spend more time with it. And I think that uh, I've got to move into teaching more people what I've done because I feel like that's that's where I need to go next. I think I've learned a lot. I think I need to learn more by breaking it down and then offering that up as training for other people. And I, I, that's, I think, the next big thing for me. 
So since we're talking about mediums, I kind of want to know more about this mushrooming. <laughs> you, you need to tell us what this is, like for the people out there who don't know and are curious. I'm, I'm so. You said you make your own. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> so, I had an artist on uh, from the UK by the name of Jill Brown. She goes by Bernoid on Twitter, and she has, she's just wonderful. She does um, these. She takes a lot of photographs of spiders and mushrooms and all this, and she does wonderful, wonderful work. She was signing some of her work, I think two years ago with mushroom ink. And I'm like, what is this magic? And so I, you know, I've had her on the podcast twice. We've talked back and forth. And so what I did, there is a, uh, a mushroom called the shaggy main ink cap. And it, it arrives like August, September, and it'll pop up on your lawn and it deliquesces. It, it turns, it, 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 it shows up as this nice, beautiful white cap, and then the, the skirt <laughs> rolls up. And as it does that, it deliquesces this black ink starts to fall. So what you do is you collect these caps, and you put them in a margarine container, and you shove them in the fridge for about five days. And then you take them out, and you push it all through a tea diffuser, something like that, to get this kind of black liquid. And then what I did on the last batch is I boiled it for a bit just to kind of break down the water so there's less water in it. And then I add 20% vodka to stabilize it. And then I paint it with it. And it is like a watercolor. So it doesn't have that kind of permanence of ink, uh, like true ink, like permanent ink. But it has um, more kind of the qualities of like a, a sepia watercolor. And so if you let it sit out in the open, it will dry. And it will dry into this kind of tar. And then you can reactivate it with water. And so I created some artwork and it was almost like a, a, a really spiritual experience that I was able to draw the mushrooms from which I extracted the ink. <laughs> and uh, so I still have a mason jar of this. I've ha- I'm going to send a couple of samples <laughs> to a couple of artists I know because they're interested in trying it out. And so I'm going to make some more this year. I've got a walnut tree, so I'm going to make walnut ink this fall as well. And uh, it, it's a, just a beautiful earthy smell when you're working with it. But once again, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm curious if I could paint with this. And I did. That's really cool. <laughs> I feel like there's also room there to, you know, make washes of, say, birch leaves or other things. And Because I'm thinking of the things that you use to dye, like fabric and yarn and things mm-hmm. that you could use for the very sort of soft tones on watercolor paper. I need to think about this. This is very cool. So I've heard, yeah, I've heard a lot about like, you know, using more natural uh, pigment sources, but I never thought about the smell difference. As you described, (laughs) that is kind of the most interesting part to me right now is it's like a lot of paints felt like they smell so toxic or plasticky or like they have that, especially like oils, right? But like they just have like this smell to them and just imagining working with something that gives you much more of a like an aroma that feels more natural that sounds like really kind of inspiring and cool and even though it kind of sounds like ooh, hippie in the forest get the fairies <laughs> right like like i kind of dig it <laughs> yeah it's um it is i don't know when i paint with it i feel it i do feel more connected um it, it is kind of liquidy. So uh, the artist I'm sending it to, he's actually going to put it into a water brush. And so actually apply it as a wash rather than trying mm-hmm. to create something from it. But I've, I've thought about 
maybe this year buying some gum arabic which you can buy as like a powder and mixing that into the mushroom ink to see if i can create something the consistency of watercolor paint uh, so i'm going to try that mm. this fall as something different that's so cool that's that's such a whole another level of like alchemy and uh and art at the same time right like you're doing a little like <laughs> botany chemistry like it's fantastic it feels a little bit like because i have a vision of at some point um gathering and refining my own clay because you know it's it's basically mud uh and actually the the words for mud and clay are the same in swedish which i think is funny hmm. um but yeah you know it's it's all paints at one point in history were made from i mean usually very toxic things uh which you know weird uh gall nuts and things can also be be dangerous but yeah it, it just feels sort of i don't know like primal or or visceral or something it just feels very like you have to you you make the ink and it's it yeah. See, this is where I'm a hippie in the forest, but it's like it, it brings you a little closer to the thing that you're, especially if you're drawing the mushrooms. I like this sort of goblin goblin side of art. I, I approve. <laughs> it sounds like this is all very much in your wheelhouse. I mean, like from what I know of you on the internet, you have kind of like a little animal sanctuary thing going <laughs> on on your property, right? Like you have like a duck house and like a little pond. Like it feels... Very, uh, am, am I correct in remembering this? You are. We do have a pond. Yeah. I've actually got, I think, six duck houses. <laughs> oh, oh the, the operation has, has. expanded. Uh, <laughs> you got to have more ducks to paint. I mean, you know, you never know. Uh, got to have extra ducks. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it uh, it's very cool that your um, your whole vibe is very, like, you know, on theme here. I I... I can picture you very vividly as a person, like where you live, and yet we've never met. Well, it's it's funny because if either of you ever come to this region, there's an open invitation, and I guarantee that if you come for a visit, we will spend most of our time outside because because that's where I'll show you all the stuff. Because um, it's <laughs> that's you know, especially working from home, I go out for a walk around the pond if I want to take a break, and I look at the turtles and. Um, the, the fish and the ducks and the insects that are always underfoot. Like you can walk anywhere on your lawn in the woods and just stand there and look and you will see something. And uh, that's what I, I love living out in the country. We still have, like I have fiber to the house. So it's not that we're, we're living uh, off grid, but we're in a situation where we have a pond and we have woods around us and we've got good friendly neighbors that allowed me to go pick the mushrooms off their lawn and it's it <laughs> it feeds what I do and it inspires me to do more I'm truly seeing you like you know finding a fairy circle and making ink from that <laughs> and doing completely magical paintings and and luring uh, weird woodland creatures into your into your art if you because obviously you know you find inspiration in the things around you in nature in in all the creepy crawlies do you do you what do you do if you lose oomph? How do you get yourself going again? You know, that's a good question because in the last month I've had I've had the loss of oomph <laughs> more than once. And once I accept that I just can't create right now, I, I'm better with it. You know, I I 
will go through like two or three days and then I'll realize I haven't drawn or painted anything in two or three days. And then I would just, you know, I think that's okay because I've done all this other stuff. And then what I'll do is I'll scroll back and look back at all the things I've created and, and just spend some time thinking about the work that I've done previously and what I enjoyed and the areas that I work want to work on. And then I always seem to find something I did previously where it's like, yeah, I, I did that thing, but I wanted to do that part of it a little bit better. And then it ends up pulling it back and I can, I can get on with it again. But I think I'm trying to be kinder with myself in not being able to create something today or tomorrow. And, you know, I, for me, I'm trying to embrace this idea of just humans being, right? Like part of what makes us special, whether it's whether it's stained glass, whether it's drawing, whether it is um, uh, pottery, that this ability for us to create is unique. And I think that you have to go through the the joy and the pain to be able to bring that into your creativity. So when I have an awful day at work, I know that this will feed in some way to into a great piece in the future. I'm not Taylor Swift, and I'm not going to write sad songs about my exes. But I do feel that this this ability for us to to experience emotion makes us better creatives and allows us to explore that through the work that we do. I don't know if I answered your question, but <laughs> no, no, you, you. But hey, you I'd did. say I I liked it regardless. <laughs> like... Yeah, and, and I like I like that thought of like almost. I don't know if this is what you meant, but almost like using the frustration of not being able to make to fuel your art, sort of. Um, I we we joke uh, journalists that that everyone gets one column about how hard it is to write columns uh, <laughs> as journalists. <laughs> like you get the one that's your one card because that it feels like everyone does it, but it's in art it's not going to be as uh, as obvious. But yeah, no, that I really like that. What what have you made that you're the proudest of? Is it just like the latest thing? It's the sea turtle right now? That's a really good question. I, I, I asked my guests the same one. I never thought of it coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hard because as a piece, I, I see flaws in, in what I did and I would probably do things differently in future. So as a matter of pride, I think that I finished the last piece. So I think for me, it's it's wanting to finish a piece. Like I did a live draw on, on Sunday and I did a penguin on YouTube and uh, I wasn't happy with that and I didn't finish it to the level I should have. And I feel bad for it. It doesn't look too bad, but eh. Um, the sea turtle I'm happy with. I think the pieces I've done on black paper, I, I'm, I enjoyed those. Like I'm not going to say most proud of, but um, I, I've really enjoyed... I think uh, drawing those, it's 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 that's a really hard question. It's the painting of hops, isn't yeah. it? It's totally the painting of hops. <laughs> it, it, well, I was going to say, like I, I've drawn a couple of our dogs who've passed, and um, those were important. Uh, the hops was so much fun. I mean, that was I don't know, like my fourth or fifth digital drawing um, was drawing hops, and I don't know what spurred me to do that, but. Uh, that was a lot of fun to do. So that was an important digital piece for me. Uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's what's the most important graphite piece or colored pencil piece. Um, I, I think maybe that's the way I look at it. And 
they all have meaning. They all have, there's a crow or a raven that you can see in my feed. I, I did that for my cousin um, and she was, uh, it, it's a retirement gift for somebody. So they all have meaning for me. And I, I don't think one is, it's like choosing the best child, right? Um, <laughs> some of these children I, I think could have done better, but <laughs> I'm proud of them all. We all know that parents have a favorite child. Come on. <laughs> Well, that's um, why we only had one, so we only had to pick one. <laughs> Bam, favorite. Smart. Smart. <laughs> what I treat is like, I have a favorite red cat and a favorite tabby cat and a favorite white gray cat. Um, I feel like we could keep talking forever and ever and ever, but I feel like we need to, you know, leave the listeners wanting more so that they uh, jump on over to, to your podcast as well. Um, is there anything else you want to like either promote or just tell us about that you really want the listeners to know? I think it's back to not so much promote because I, I don't, uh, there's nothing I can talk about at this point in time, except, you know, follow the podcast and, and you know, <laughs> join join me in my journey. But I, I think it is uh, just be curious, reach out to others, build that network of artists or creatives around yourself, uh, wherever that may be, whether it's virtual or in person. And, you know, revisit your childhood like the reason I'm drawing snapping turtles and that is because I used to I used to hang out with them when I was like six and seven and eight, and so I think it's reflecting on the stuff that we did as a kid that we could do much better as adults. So be curious, and you know look at it through uh, through a child's eyes when you're creating. We need to have fun. We need to enjoy what we're doing, and things will be hard, and there will be things that will come at us that we won't expect that will make our life difficult and sad and challenging. But there's going to be joyous events, and it's those times in between that we have an opportunity to create and and to really enjoy the life that we're living. And just think like a kid, and you know, make make your potions, make your inks, all of that. Just go for it. I mean, you know, Google poison levels. <laughs> yes, don't eat mushrooms. <laughs> With those amazing words of wisdom, we uh, we want to really thank you, Mike, for joining us here and sharing your journey with us. I think that you have so many amazing insights. You've tried so many things. You have a lot of different like social media. Um, yeah, your, your hands are in a lot of different social media pots right now. Like there, I feel like you're a little all over the place. You're doing live drawings on YouTube. You've got TikTok going. You're over on Instagram. You have reels. You have pictures. Like there's, there's so much going on. Uh, and I think that that's just really cool how far you've branched out. Thank you. It's been uh it's been a wonderful journey, and I'm, I'm so glad that I can uh, I can listen to to both of you every couple of weeks and uh, have your voices in my ears as well as I'm going through this journey. So thank you, thank you for having me on. So listeners, you can go and find our show notes with a bunch of links for Mike Henley stuff over at relay.fm slash make do and check him out on the drawing inspiration podcast, along with a whole bunch of other places like his uh, Instagram account and YouTube account. And we are make do pod on Twitter and Instagram. Our email is make at gmail.com. You can find us individually at Tiff Arment and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T. And we'll be back in a fortnight. And until then, go make and do and click on all of Mike's links.